Welcome, 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 everyone. It is time for the Conversations That Matter podcast. I hope you're doing well. Uh, a little bit later than I wanted to get started. Sorry about that for those who are waiting. Um, but we, we have uh, people coming into the chat. And if you have any questions or comments or want to be part of the program, uh, you can start to uh, put those in the live chat. If you're a patron, of course, you can be part of the show if you want. You can uh, go to patreon.com forward slash worldview conversation. And uh, there's a link there uh, on the last announcement for uh, being part of the show. Um, we we have a lot to talk about <laughs> today. And um, it, it really does concern this statue. I, I've been thinking about it because uh, it's there's just been a lot of discourse, especially on social media about this in Christian circles. And I know I already did one episode on this. That was, of course, before uh, the Mike Cassidy uh, toppled this particular statue. And um, I've just I've been surprised to see the reaction that some people, including Christians, have to this. And I think it's worth talking about. I think actually an issue like this gets to the heart of some of the concerns and the issues associated with so-called Christian nationalism. And, uh, and and just a lot of what we've discussed over the last year, what's appropriate, what's not. And, uh, and I think this is a test case in a way. This is, this is something you can look at and you can say, okay, th- there is a statue. First of all, should it have been allowed in the first place? Uh, it was. Was that okay? Was that a good thing? Was, was that just neutral uh, or was that evil? And then it was toppled. And the manner in which it was toppled, I mean, that that's somewhat of a separate issue, but it is related. Uh, was that a good thing? Even if you don't like the means, was that a good end to pursue? Uh, these are important questions to ask, I think, moving forward, uh, because we do have a number of conservatives who have a, um, I should say, so-called conservatives, neoconservatives, who um, really want to protect some kind of a religious neutrality. And they think that actually something like this, a display like this, might even be a positive good. Some of them, some of them personally don't like it, but on a public level, there, there's nothing we can do about this, really. And, and and the real problem is those people who would want to get rid of this kind of thing, especially the way it was uh, handled. And uh, and so I want to get into all of that. And, and I think there are some legitimate points that we need to 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 uh, discuss from that perspective. Uh, at least, you know, they, they somewhat make sense if you think about it. But um, overall, I, I would say I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised that, um, you know, you think it'd be like Wizard of Oz, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead kind of thing. And it's not. It's uh, how dare you? How dare you touch this as if it's a sacred thing in a sacred space. So anyway, um, let us uh, continue. I, I want to uh, I have a queued up a video for you uh, on the group, the Satanic Temple, that erected this particular statue in the Iowa uh, um, legislature. But they are also a group involved with setting up similar monuments across the country, uh, as well as uh, after-school clubs in various high schools, where they'll have a Satan club to compete with the Christian clubs. And you might say, well, what do you mean to compete? They, They just have their beliefs. You know, no. That there's a reason that this group exists, and it's not because they just want to necessarily uh, worship Satan. It, it's because they specifically have a mission to destroy Christianity. I kid you not, that, that is the purpose behind this. 
So, uh, and that shouldn't come as a shock, I suppose. I mean, it literally is a satanic organization. I mean, that isn't that kind of Satan's point? He wants to usurp God. So, uh, really, not a huge surprise, I suppose. But I, I think under a, a religious neutral uh, kind of principle pluralism perspective, people think that no matter what your belief is, at least as long as it's sincere and deeply held in some way, that uh, it's equivalent and has unique uh, access to the same kinds of uh, privileges and resources that any other faith group is. So um, not the case here. Well, let's start uh, Let's start here. I'm going to show you this video. Uh, this is from a documentary in 2019. This is a documentary about the Satanic Temple. And um, I would just, it, it's like about an hour long. But this particular clip that I've I put together is uh, only about six minutes and I have edited some things to prevent you from seeing some very inappropriate things the documentary has some very inappropriate things in it so that's why the screen does go black at times because uh, I, I I don't want you to have to be subjected to that and I think I've boiled down kind of the essence of the entire documentary just in these clips so we're going to watch that and then um, I will comment on it but this is the group that erected the, this particular statue at the Iowa legislature and is behind a lot of efforts across the country to promote uh, so-called Satanism. Here we go. As a Christian nation is fairly straightforward to answer. The record seems quite clear that we were not. As America went to war with the godless communists of the Soviet Union, Americans discovered God themselves. And so this is a remarkable moment when the nation really does start to think of itself as Christian. You can't dismantle corrupt systems of power while functioning within them. When we go and we do a political action, it's more than just a protest. To us, it is the celebration of our satanic spirit. It's a ritual in and of itself. So what is it that first drew you to the satanic temple? I think there's a distinct need for a counterbalance against uh, the dominant religious privilege in America today. So the satanic temple is actually refining satanism and making it into a new tool, a new weapon in the ongoing culture wars. We have a lot of uh, work to do, and I think Christian privilege is a huge problem in our country because it dictates our laws, it dictates everything we do, what bathroom I can use in some states. What we want to do is force people to evaluate their notions of the United States being a Christian nation. It's not. We're a secular nation. We don't want our monument there without the Ten Commandments there. Um, the point uh, all along was that it would complement and contrast the Ten Commandments and reaffirm that we live in a pluralistic nation. In a matter of one week, a decades-old tradition of public prayer before the City of Phoenix Council meetings was history. In its place, a moment of silent public prayer. It's kind of shocking that they would do away with a 60-year tradition for something that was so harmless. Organizers say the after-school Satan Club is designed to counter after-school Christian clubs holding meetings inside public schools. Because what they're looking for is essentially some kind of Christian Sharia law, their version of it, where legislation and their view of morals is implemented by a church. If you don't believe in the devil, why call yourself a Satanist? Being an atheist is boring. There's no community. There's no iconography, there's no history, there's no code of conduct or ethics, there's no tenets. It's just defining what you're not. And with modern Satanism, you can define what you are. It's called Satanism because there's nothing else to call it. This wasn't pulled out of a hat. This wasn't something that 
was was made up just to screw with people. This is a socio-political countermyth. We view uh, Satan as a symbolic embodiment of the ultimate uh, rebel against tyranny. I was a, I would say, a zesty little atheist. Before I decided that I was a Satanist, it was really the Bible that said this is what a Satanist is like. The devil appeared in the form of a snake and offers the fruit of enlightenment. We are taught to fear that, but at the same time, it seems the most liberating because if we did not have that opportunity, we would have to be in total servitude without free choice. And ultimate servitude is slavery. Those who challenge the state, oppose the theocratic stream of world on our morals and sexuality. They performed a ritual they call Pink Mass on the grave of Katherine Johnston, the mother of Westboro founder Fred Phelps Jr. The ceremony involved two same-sex couples kissing over her grave. They then declared Katherine Johnston a lesbian in the afterlife. Blasphemy isn't just directed at other people to offend them. Blasphemy is very much a declaration of personal independence. And I don't mind, of course, when people are offended. In much of our ritual practice, we are taking traditional symbols of what we see as an oppressive religious institution and destroying those symbols as a form of empowerment. We are seeking collaborators, individuals for a visionary satanic alliance, leaders of the new American era. Invoking Satan is invoking the struggle for justice and equality for everyone. Invoking Satan is the firm denial that only one point of view is correct. A willingness to fight for all points of view in accordance with reason is imperative. Invoking Satan is to reach out without reservation and eat from the tree of knowledge rather than be subjected to the whims of blind faith. We will no longer choose apathy over action and perpetuate our own oppression. Ave Satanus! Directly confronting injustice and corrupt authority is an expression of one's satanic faith. I believe activism is a satanic practice. After centuries of biblical patriarchal dominance, the annihilation of native and diverse cultures, the propagation of racism and homophobia, we owe our oppressors. We owe them hostility, inextinguishable justice, and uncompromising destruction. We outnumber them. We possess the fortitude to bring down powerful men and dismantle racist systems. Their existence is only made possible by our own inaction. They have given us just enough to have something to lose. They have built a system that grinds us down and they tell us to swallow our grief and our rage in the name of respectability, that obedience is patriotism. There is no model for moving forward. We are the model. Who taught you how to protest? Who taught you how to get mad? Who taught you how to speak up? Because we are going to disrupt, distort, destroy, and reclaim, resist, and rebuild. We are going to storm press conferences, head up an executive, release snakes in the governor's mansion, execute the president. All right. Well, <laughs> if uh, you weren't awake, you are now. Uh, that the ironic thing about that last speech you saw it was uh, seemed pretty intense. Was uh, the lady who was uh, giving that? Um, it, it, I forget where it was, but it, it, she she was at this rally for Satanists, 
she was actually kicked out of the organization because she talked about uh, killing at that time, it would be Donald Trump. And um, it, it just, I don't know, it's funny to me because apparently uh, there are things still too far for Satanists, right? Um, and it really is because they care about their image uh, to some extent. They, you might think that's kind of weird. Why would they care about it? I mean, they're, they're Satanists. But um, it's clear from the, that clip uh, that especially Lucian Greaves, who is, seems to be the main, um, and you'll see him in a minute. I have another clip to play of him, but he's uh, one of the main founders. Uh, he wants to set up a counter narrative. He wants to set up something to directly challenge Christianity. That's the whole point. Uh, at one point, um, you heard him say in an interview that we don't even want our satanic statue on government property if the Ten Commandments isn't there with it. I mean, the whole purpose that we're trying to do this is because we want to directly challenge Christianity. And um, at one point, you also heard uh, the term sociopolitical countermyth. So that's what this is. And that's why you have people who say, well, I was an atheist. I maybe I am an atheist still, but I'm also part of this uh, because, hey, this has a community. This has some longevity and some rituals and, and, and it, it functions more like a religion. Um, <clears throat> personal independence is the main thing that they focus on uh, doing whatever you want with your body. Uh, there's there's no uh, limits to your personal autonomy. That is very much in line with the lie that uh, Satan told Eve, that, and, and they even play on that, that this is about enlightenment. You can be like God, and that's what they're after. So th this is uh, the kind of group that does not exist without Christianity. They only can exist. There, there's nothing positive about them. They can only exist to, to uh, try to ape and take away from an already existing belief system that is Christianity. Uh, it's just a, a way to rip that down. It's, it's a, it fits right in with deconstructionism. And at the end of the video, uh, you see that it's all about social justice, really, at the end. I mean, what do, what do we do as Satanists? Well, we pursue social justice. We, we are anti-racist and we are uh, for homosexuality in public and uh, displaying indecent sexual things. And that somehow is in line with, uh, with with Satanism, but really it's because it's against Christianity. So th this is a, uh, now the Satanic Temple, as far as I know, the only Satanic group that has 501c3 status. Of course, Ron DeSantis, you'll, you'll see in a moment, I'll play the clip, but he tried to use this somehow against Donald Trump, which it just seems like a low blow to me. I don't think Trump knew, you know, was, was supervising whatever IRS agent gave this group uh, that kind of a status. Should they have that status? No. I mean... I mean, I'm more strict than most would be on this. I mean, you know, should uh, should religions should false religions have 501c3 status? I mean, I'm kind of like, I mean, not really. <laughs> I mean, that's um, if you want to be true to, I, I think the foundation of the country and the law that the, that foundation is built on, then it's a broadly, and I, I do say broadly, but it is a broadly Christian country. It is not a country that uh, we've had minorities, uh, minority religions throughout time that have uh, been tolerated, but they've always known that they don't control the, the status quo. They're not uh, in a position to um, start dictating what the, the country should, how the country should function uh, as far as uh, legal and just social reality. I mean, that it's always been a, a, a Protestant country, a um and, and of course, some areas now heavily Catholic because of immigration, but it, it has pretty much always been an Anglo-Protestant country. And that's apparently that's bigoted now to say that. But 
um, be, because of the net denial of that, of our basic character, then you end up getting things like this. You know, you have to give equal status to the satanic temple. And, and they're somehow uh, entitled to all the same things that a Christian group uh, would be entitled to. So um, what happened yesterday or two days, I can't remember if it was yesterday, I think it was two, two days ago, if I'm not mistaken, was we had um, an individual uh, who, who was actually running for public office, I believe in another state. Yeah, uh, Mississippi House of Representatives and former Navy pilot was uh, charged with fourth degree criminal mischief in relation to the destruction of a satanic temple display. And if he is convicted, he could face up to a year in prison and a $2,560 fine. Um, and let's see if we can uh, just get some highlights from this. Um, and you, the Iowa governor weighed in and she said, look, I find it objectionable, this display. But in a free society, the best response to objectionable speech is more speech. And I encourage all those of faith to join me today in prayer. And so, so anyway, they, it, she's not going to do really anything about it. And uh, except pray. I mean, legally, she's not in, in the capacity of her office. So it opened uh, the way for uh, this gentleman, uh, Cassidy is his name, uh, to come in and um, and do what he did. And there's been some talk about whether or not this was coordinated with uh, a conservative news group. And I'm not sure about any of that. Uh, I don't think it's actually that relevant for the purposes of our discussion, but you know, perhaps it was. Uh, but whether it was or wasn't, uh, there there were a group of conservatives, or at least one conservative, who decided I'm going to do something about this. And I think it's because there was a leadership vacuum. Frankly, that's that's really my that's my take, and that's one of the points I want to drive home. If you think about the context in which this happened, okay, we I, I think this is one of the things that separates the so-called Christian nationalists. It's not just them, okay. It's it's the the more um, the paleoconservative side would be, I think, here. I would consider myself more part of that. I think the um, uh, even some of this, the more out of the mainstream conservative uh, groups, dissident right groups, would be part of this. There's a recognition in that stream that we're already a lawless country, that we're post-constitutional. And I think those who would oppose Christian nationalism, one of the things that distinguishes them, not the only thing, is they somehow think that we're still constitutional. And their version of constitutional is also different than I think uh, a, an original intention of that. And maybe we'll talk about that in a moment. But I think for a lot of um, younger and newer conservatives, there's this recognition that we're already lawless. And, and you can look at the stack, statue destructions over the last three years. Actually, it's, it stems really back to 2015 is when it started. So it's been going on now for about eight years. Um, there's a disregard for election laws we've seen in some states. We've seen um, lately this weaponization of the deep state against Donald Trump in, a, in a, an extremely unfair, uh, unequal weights and balances, unequal weights and measures. We've seen um, the January 6th penalties. Um, you know, we've seen um, uh, the firings because of uh, in the military, uh, because of vaccine stuff. Um, we've seen other post-constitutional uh, symptoms, I would say. And, you know, th there's things that you could talk about that stem back, though, you know, a long way. You could talk about the incorporation doctrine, uh, bowing to the First Amendment, supposedly at least an interpretation of the First Amendment, but in a way that's not really lawful for a state to do or, or uh, it, 
state should not have to abide by those particular rules. And that's one of the things I think we see in this case is uh, the the more neoconservative types want to say that uh, somehow the, the state of Iowa is bound in this case to somehow honor a statute of Satan because th- this is in accordance with the First Amendment. And the First Amendment uh, allows for this religious neutrality for equal access to to all different groups. But what's the first line of the First Amendment? It's Congress. Congress shall not make a law, right, establishing, uh, making an establishment of religion um, or prohibiting free exercise thereof. And I think that that's often forgotten. That's the original intent. And, and there are people today, who, younger conservatives primarily, who are looking at all the present things that they consider to be wrong. And they're uh, going back and they are looking at things that have been wrong for a longer period of time. It's been the gateway for them to see, oh, wait a minute, there's been some some wrong things. There's been some legal precedent. There's been some bad things for quite some time. Someone needs to do something about this finally. Uh, it, it's exposing the weaknesses that we have. And that's what I think a group like the Satanic Temple is designed to do. They're, they're designed to take advantage of and expose uh, the weaknesses that already exist in our system. And, and so I, I think that recognition is, is probably the first thing uh, to just realize that's where people are coming from who are in support of a statue like this coming down and maybe even the means used to do so. Now, the, the people who are in charge right now, all right, in the conservative, uh, conservative politics and on social issues in the media, and, and you know, I, I've gone through these arguments in more detail in the last video, so you can go check that out, but they're primarily universalists. They, uh, you can see it even in an issue like this, they seem to have this desire to figure out a way that it's all or nothing. Uh, that uh, we can either provide equal access to every religion in this in the state house, or no access to any religion, right? And and so that's the only way things can be fair. They can't conceive of maybe actually some religion or religions or denominations are appropriate and some are not because of the basic character of our society, who we are, where our laws and our tradition comes from. And that th- that is forbidden. That is wrong. It's not universal. They they have to be universal. That's one of the post World War II kind of um, mindsets, liberal mindsets. And so the neoconservatives, who are really they're post World War II liberals, most of them, they uh, they they really look at this universal principle as an article of faith. So that's why you can hear things like you just heard in this video I played of the Satanic Temple representatives, and they are saying we're just about diversity and neutrality and freedom of religion. And, and they sound, I, I could probably take some of those quotes from Lucian Greaves and I could say, who said this? And it, it, you, you might think it was someone on the right uh, who, who said it in, in politics because it sounds like they're talking points because it is, they're actually part of the same religion in some senses. And I know that's a radical thing maybe to say, like how can someone who's personally a, a professing Christian and a Satanist be in the same religion? Well, they believe some of the same core things. And this commitment to a a pluralism of of sorts is one of those things. That's not something the founders had. People think that's true. They think, and they'll they'll point to obscure things. They'll point to like a a letter, I think it was uh, Robert E. Lee's father, Richard Henry Lee, sent to, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was John Adams. And, um, or maybe it was uh, James Madison rather. But he talks about, hey, you know, we're going to have religious freedom in this country 
uh, as well. The First Amendment is going to apply. You know, Congress is not going to make an establishment of religion. Uh, and that will allow for Muslims. That will allow for, for other groups other than Christians. And they'll point to these things that really weren't that significant at the time. It was, most people weren't thinking along the lines of, hey, in the future, there'll be Satanists trying to gain access. Um, and they'll try to make their case. But, but it's overwhelmingly clear, especially on the state level, that religious tests were commonplace. Um, some colonies even had state churches that the people who drafted the constitution were every single one of them was either a Christian or they were part of a quasi Christian group. Um, that even goes for the supposed quote unquote deists who I've yet to really find one who's a pure deist because even Jefferson and Franklin don't qualify for that. Franklin calling, you know, continental Congress to prayer, um, Jefferson extolling the virtues of Jesus and saying that uh, essentially that, you know, this, this is uh, the foundation of his own moral beliefs. And so even the ones they try to claim as their own don't really qualify. But, um, uh, but it, it certainly, it, it wasn't even a discussion that the United States was, was anything but a Christian country in the sense that they were, uh, the, the, the people of the United States, the default setting for them was Christian law, Christian custom. You did have things like, and, and atheists love to point to um, the Treaty of Tripoli, which uh, denies that we're a Christian country, but it, it, it's been translated. It, I don't think it originally was even in English. It was to the Barbary pirates. And um, if you read it in context, it's talking about we're not the we're not a crusader state. <laughs> we're not at war. We're not at the, in this universal war with Islam. Now, of course, maybe they were wrong about that. I mean, 9-11 might have something to say about that today. But um, but you, you can't use that. You, you, you have to look at other you have to look at the Northwest Ordinance. You have to look at the chaplain, chaplain history in Congress. Even I mean, this is the, the organization that is not supposed to make an establishment of religion. They've only had Protestant chaplains until guess what? Until I think it was uh, Bush or no, Obama. I think Obama was the first uh, Catholic chaplain. So it's only been Protestant. I think there was like one or two Unitarians somewhere in there which is kind of a, a heretical offshoot, I suppose, of Protestantism. But it's, it's always been Protestant, it's always been Bath, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, um, something like that. So it's it, it's been a default Christian country in so many ways. And I went through a little bit of that in the last video. But the neoconservatives today, they don't seem to want to honor that, even though there's maybe an instinct that we all have towards that. We know that's sort of true. Um, even Trump said, hey, we're going to say Merry Christmas again when I'm elected, right? And they're just going, well, yeah, yeah, that's what America is. But principally speaking, they're actually against that, against making that a default. They want to make things neutral. To, to It's kind of like a, a sterile public square. And, um, and you saw that actually, I think, with the last video, the White House video uh, from the Biden administration. I mean, they're really committed to that. I mean, they they do not want any semblance of Jesus Christ at Christmas. So we, we have leaders who I think in principle, they're, they're just what they believe is not suited for a time, a post-Christian time. During a Christian time, it's kind of you can have those beliefs and it makes no difference, really. I'm committed to a religious public square. Well, the only people applying are Christians <laughs> to have a nativity scene and to offer the invocation. So it doesn't really matter. Now it does. Now you see groups like this specifically being funded and challenging and, and i'm sure this will get a real boost in the arm for the satanic temple they're going to challenge this stuff across the country they already are they will find your weakness and they will exploit it and so something has to be done about that 
Um, we also have a leadership class, I think, that are that we see them as hypocrites. And, and part of the reason is because some of the people I'm going to show you in a moment, even uh, who are quote unquote leaders in conservative evangelicalism, et cetera, they said nothing about the destruction of uh, monuments, uh, of some of the founders' monuments, um, especially the Confederate monuments or monuments to Confederate leaders uh, like Robert E. Lee. They said nothing when these things were being destroyed in absolutely lawless ways, in, in grotesque ways, nothing. And they're the, some of them are coming out to chide the person who knocked over this satanic idol. That is a big red flag. That, that I think um, is something that uh, a lot of younger conservatives see and recognize as a big problem. And they ultimately, I think, believe um, that state, at least in their legal philosophy, that Satanism is morally equivalent to Christianity. They have to, even if they personally don't believe that, they say that, though, on a, on a legal level, it has to be this way. And it just doesn't resonate. Um, they act as if uh, racism or slavery or you know things supposedly attached to that is worse than Satanism in the way they function, which is you, you wonder what kind of a faith is that? I mean, is, I thought Satanism was pretty much the worst thing or like, right? I mean, by definition, isn't that? you know, directly in opposition to God. And they also seem more concerned with how this is the winsomeness. Okay. They're more concerned with how something like this was taken down than the fact it was erected in the first place. You know, they, they didn't get up in arms about the fact that this thing was erected, some of these people, but they're really up in arms about the way it was taken down. That was, was not lawful. So this is an attack putting a statue like this, this is part of the problem, I think, in the recognition that younger conservatives have. Satanism only exists in opposition to God. And a monument like this functions as an attack on our law directly. It's not indirect. Let me show you a few videos from uh, the, Sat the Satanic Temple actually put these out on Twitter. But let me show you how this is playing out. Uh, in, in in their minds, what they want to promote, what they think uh, they're trying to do. And I, of course, you already saw the long montage I put out there from the documentary, but I want you to see these as well. ...over a new satanic temple holiday display in the state capitol building. I, I heard this and then I was like, well, how did it get there? Is that even a religion? And lo and behold, the Trump administration gave them approval to be under the IRS as a religion. But you think they should take it down in the Capitol? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think if, if they're gonna get sued on it, uh, I, think you, I, think you, I think you fight that fight. The Satanic Temple appreciates being acknowledged as a federally recognized religion during CNN's town hall broadcast. Our religious freedom has been affirmed by federal courts and the IRS and contributes to the diverse expression of faith in the United States. As a religious organization, we're eager to participate alongside other religions in programs like Florida's Faith and Community Initiative, designed to connect religious leaders with state leadership. Our two Florida congregations applied to participate back in September. We've not yet heard back. We are excited to engage with this program. I'm sure we will hear back from them soon. After all, we all know it's important to fight that fight for religious representation, and we're ready to do that. 
So there's some mockery in this uh, that they, Ron DeSantis, to his credit, now he used it as a attack on Trump, which just seems ridiculous to me. But uh, to his credit, at least he said this shouldn't be displayed. This is wrong. And uh, and there are some some conservatives in our leadership class. There are a few who are saying that. Uh, most seem silent, and the, and there and many seem like they're like, so aghast at this uh, <laughs> this toppling of a statue. But Ron DeSantis said, "No, it shouldn't be erected." And uh, and and he even came out, I believe, and said, "Look, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been him who said, look, this was the right thing. This was an American thing to do, to to knock this thing down.'" And uh, the, the reaction of the Satanic Temple is basically, like I said before, they're taking advantage of our, they're finding the weakness and they're exploiting it in our system. They are going to go on the offense against Ron DeSantis and show that he's in violation of a certain principle that he is supposed to uphold, which is equal access to all religions, right? That's that's what they keep doing. Here's another video that they put out. This is um, uh, an interview on CNN, CNN with Lucian Greaves which is not his real name, but he is uh, one of the founders of the Satanic Temple. She said earlier this week that she thought that the display was absolutely objectionable, but that in a free society, the best response to objectionable speech is more speech. She went on to encourage people to join her in praying over the Capitol. What did you think of that response? Were you surprised that it came from her? I'm surprised that it did come from uh, any of the politicians right now, and it's 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 really courageous to take a stance for free speech at this point on either the left or the right. And there's a certain point at which we need some adults in the room to tell people what our liberal, liberal democratic values are, what their value is, why we uphold them, and what they're good for, and they need to stand up for for these types of values, or we're going to further degenerate in our polarism towards autocracy. You were talking about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis earlier. He is criticizing an IRS rule that was put in place under the Trump administration that designated the Satanic Temple as a tax-exempt church. Is he right, though? Fundamentally, did the Trump administration's actions actually give your organization a legal standing to have this display? No, we have a system in place where we have a system of checks and balances and we have static institutions like the IRS that work under a certain set of rules. And they're supposed to act neutrally in regard to viewpoint and just follow rote practices in which if we fall within the parameters of the law, our rights will be respected the same as anybody else's. We don't want to yield some kind of power to the government to begin picking and choosing between religious groups. People might hate us and people might want to exclude us, but that simply opens the door to more sectarian battles and it certainly won't stop there. Okay, so they put someone out there who's, who's you know, pretty well-spoken. He's not there with a, a you know, goat head and you know, dressed like a Satanist with makeup and, and things like that. He's, you know, looks like a regular, they do, they do have that atheist look, I have to say. You know what I'm talking about. I can't really put my finger on it, but but he, he does look like a semi-rational person. He's committed to the same things you are, right? Religious pluralism and freedom of expression and free speech. And someone needs to take a stand, right? So since when did Satanists all of a sudden have this, you know, we had a moral principle here. We got to take a stand for, for righteousness, for the right thing. That, that's, that's, of course, every belief system has to have a, a virtuous, uh, like they have to have their own positive law of some kind that they can appeal to 
uh, to justify them. And, and that's where I think there's a lot of contradictions in this satanic temple. They, you know, on the one hand, uh, we can't be offended by anything. Uh, we are for uh, autonomy. No one can tell you what to do. And then on the other hand, we're offended and someone should tell them what to do. Right. That, that's part of the problem with an organization like that. Uh, and, and they so, so it, they get away with, in a sense, uh, trying to make the case that they're just like you and have the same morals. And then, though, their whole entire organization is about undermining American law. And I, and I do say this directly because it's trying to rip down the very foundation of it and to say that no one should pay attention to it. Uh, and, and that Christianity, nothing stemming from it, sh it sh should have any special place in our country. Um, they do have a website and uh, I, I wanted to show you that very briefly. They uh, do have some uh, some interesting things here. This is the about us section on the Satanic Temple website and they have uh, seven fundamental tenets. Okay, this is like their Ten Commandments. So let me read these for you. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. Um, so, you know, what does that even mean? A lot of these things, you, you know, you at least for Christians, we have in the Ten Commandments, they're defined in a context, you know what they mean. But, you know, in, in accordance with reason, that sounds almost atheistic. What does this even mean? Um, I, I don't even know. It seems like it's so open to interpretation. Uh, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. So they want the struggle for justice to prevail over laws. Okay, so there's this higher authority that they are appealing to. But what is it? Whose is it? Um, Satan's? Is Satan the, the epitome then of justice? Or I mean, you, you don't have justice without God. You don't you have to have a moral lawgiver to have a moral law. But they somehow want to oppose and rip down the moral lawgiver and then somehow say that there is a universal law called justice of some kind. Whole thing's a contradiction. Um, one's body is inviolable, subject to one's will alone. Okay, so if there's a struggle for justice in point two, but then in point three, the only thing that can have any influence over your body is yourself, right? No one else. Uh, this is why they're so into abortion rights. And, and they want to actually claim in Texas that their right to an abortion is a religious liberty issue. I kid you not. They're, ex they're finding the weaknesses in our system and they're exploiting them. And by the way, the weaknesses in our system did not come from the founders or the Constitution, contra some neoconservatives. No, it's from uh, interpretations by courts since then, especially the Earl Warren court that has uh, created this and, and Justin Ginsburg's uh, lemon test and, and others. The freedom of others, it says, should be respected, including the freedom to offend. Okay, so what if it offends you that someone knocked down your statue? Is that a freedom? <laughs> of course now. Oh no, that's we're so offended. Uh, to willfully, it says to willfully and, and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Okay, so so this is like like a libertarian would like you, you take away Satan, right? And you just put libertarian principles. I think a lot of libertarians would think, oh yeah, that's what we believe. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. And that's where the, I, I think the former atheist side is coming in. Uh, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. So, of course, you know, there's no sin, but it's mistakes. And and there is something you should do to resolve. So, but, but why? That's, that's the thing I, I, I don't quite understand. You know, what, what why? What's the point? Why aren't you Satanists? <laughs> Shouldn't you just tr uh, transgress moral laws and say, who cares if someone's offended? This whole thing is a bundle of contradictions. 
And then the last one, every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should pr always prevail over the written or spoken word. So what if there's a written or spoken word saying that we should have religious liberty, which you saw that they are very intense on fighting for that in their own interpretation of it. But uh, the, the spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should prevail against that. I mean, they, they, they want to have their cake and eat it. They want to downgrade these things and also uh, and challenge them. And at the same time, uh, they want to then when they are challenged, uh, whip them out and say that they're authorities. So this is the kind of organization that is just, uh, it's a cancer. It's a, uh, it's an acid on the rest of society and the, the laws that govern us. And that is the reason that an organization like this um, exists. So here are some of the conservative types, more, more conservative types who said things that I was a little surprised by. Not all of these are the same. Okay. Um, and some of them might even make some good points, but I, I just want to go through them. Uh, and, and I'm sure more will come in today and maybe over the weekend, but um, I don't, I don't know a lot about this pastor, uh, Ben, but, uh, he, his post did get quite a bit of traction. So I figured it was worth including it. And he's a Southeastern graduate. <laughs> so I, uh, I, it's like, say no more, <laughs> you know, as, as a, a Southeastern graduate myself, I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. So somebody who graduated from Southeastern would of course say something like this, but he says, it's strange. And he's talking, he's reacting to life site news. And they said, breaking Michael Cassidy, a Christian who is former military officer, has torn down the satanic statue in Iowa Capitol. And he says, it's strange. I don't remember everybody on here celebrating the destruction of statues dedicated to slavers. And so drawing a moral equivalency in this case between Satan, literally, and, you know, what, George Washington? I mean, like, that's what I, I made a post uh, and I just said for, for my I, I don't go on Twitter much um, or post much, I should say, but I uh, over the weekend, I, I broke my uh, rule and I decided to to post a few things. And so one of the things I posted was I was like, right, because in a sarcastic way, I said, because George Washington and Satan, pretty much the same person. Right. I mean, uh, this is insane. Moral reasoning that is absolutely insane. But it's now you have pastors, Southern Baptist pastors, or at least someone who graduated from a Southern Baptist school making this argument and woke Christians all, you know, joining in. Yeah. Yeah. Where were they? Well, um, it's very simple, actually. Uh, one is Satan and the other one are people who, yeah, uh, some of them happen to hold slaves. Some of them happen to, to be part of uh, a system we no longer have, which we don't want anymore. And we're glad it's gone. But uh, it doesn't mean that they personally were in direct violation of scripture's teachings on that subject. It doesn't mean uh, that they were horrible masters or anything like that. It doesn't mean they were even in favor of the, of uh, that continuing. Um, but to, to these wokesters, if you ever if you had any tangential connection to slavery in any way, shape or form, it like ruins everything. You, you you're the whole person is just as evil and black as a Satanist, um, which, you know, it, it, you wonder how they would react to uh, labor relationships in Scripture. Uh, certainly not the way Paul did. Certainly not the way Moses did. Uh, they would have to disqualify uh, many of our uh, the authors of Scripture and. Um, people commended in scripture uh, for their egalitarianism. So, so no, it's not the same thing at all. Uh, in fact, the, the monuments erected to people like George Washington and Robert E. Lee and others were directed not to their slavery, not to the fact that they participated in this system at some point. It was to the fact that they were men of character and they demonstrated it in other ways. Military leadership, uh, foregoing the opportunity to be the king of the country in George Washington's case. They, they were stellar men with stellar reputations. And, um, and we wouldn't be here talking about this without many of them.
Then you have, the, this is Jenna, Jenna Ellis, um, former Trump lawyer. She said, I respectfully disagree. And she's disagreeing with Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk, uh, to his credit, I have to say, I mean, I've, I was pleased to see this. He says, a Christian veteran just beheaded a monument to Satan I was in Satan in Iowa's capital. If this is Christian nationalism, we need more of it. And Jenna Ellis says, I respectfully disagree. This is not the way. Christianity teaches that we are not uh, to war against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. A satanic statue has no more actual power than an idol in Babylon. Now, we responded to some of this in the last video. Uh, this is kind of ridiculous, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so put a, a phallic symbol up there. Put something that's, uh, you know, why, why not, Jenna? It's just uh, has no power, right? But they, you see them taking out this religious neutral kind of perspective, and it doesn't fit anymore. It's like clothes that she grew out of. That at one time they looked okay, but now we're in a different situation. I hate that this was erected in anywhere, especially a state capital, but lawlessness in the name of Christian nationalism is completely missing the point of religious freedom and legitimacy of law. Okay, so this is the thing that I, the question I have, it wasn't the satanic statue lawless. Didn't it go directly against the Iowa uh, stated intention of the Iowa constitution and then their preamble? All right, which is that's kind of the basis for the rest of it. It's not uh, positive law, but it's it's here's the basis for why we have these laws. Um, but she's a lawyer, so she's of course going to be she, she's going to be for in the incorporation doctrine, incorporating the reinterpretation really of the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights into uh, state laws and constitutions, etc. So, and that's part of the problem, I think. But uh, but but if you if you want an original intent, if you want a historical view of this, you you don't have incorporation. And if you don't have incorporation, then there's nothing that obligates Iowa to allow something like this. This is something against the beliefs of the citizens, the vast majority. It's against even the vast majority of elected officials. They're all hamstrung, though, because of this commitment to some kind of a religious neutrality, which she invokes here. Destruction of property is not okay for the Christian who hates a satanic statue any more than it is okay for the Satanist who hates a nativity scene, right? So there's the moral equivalency. Uh, it's the same thing as destroying a nativity scene. No, it is not, Jenna. It is not. And, and it's, it should be okay for us to say that um, destroying a nativity scene and destroying a satanic statue are two different things. One is at least the end, and we can talk about the means in a moment, but the end uh, of a destroying a satanic statue is good. The end of destroying a nativity scene is bad. Why is this hard? It, this is this it would have been a no-brainer for previous generations of Americans. And then here comes James Lindsay. James Lindsay um, said, "A moment is likely coming and may have already passed." Sounds like a prophecy, right? Uh, where the woke winning is not a thing that's going to happen. Now, this is kind of weird to me too. I mean, he he uh, he he he's obsesses over. I mean, he, his whole shtick is social justice, right? And and, and what it is and what's happening. But the woke are in the institutional phase of implementing their agenda. But that's not a thing that's going to happen now. It's, it's weird to me. But anyway, he says, in which case are possible paths diverge into a classically liberal society or a fascist society that destroys them all root and branch without apology. And you can see the pivot here. The pivot is the new frontier, the new battle to fight is against these fascists, which, you know, quote unquote, Christian nationalists. Those are the fascists. And why are they fascist? Well, because a Christian veteran has torn down and beheaded the satanic temple statue. That means they're a fascist. You're a fascist if you go in and you do this. Really, really? That's the fascist? That That's that's all it takes to be a fascist now. I mean, James Lindsay sounds like a leftist. He sounds like a wokester. 
right? That's the funny thing to me. It's like he, he's made his whole thing against wokeness and stuff. He can't even see it in his own tweet that he sounds like them. And if you look at the satanic temple, that's their whole entire shtick. It's all woke. Um, but uh, but yes, root and branch without apology. That that's that's the fascistic uh, society, and so that's the competition now. The woke people they don't have influence. It's the classical liberals versus the fascists. And of course, I'd like to suggest that many of the so-called classical liberals are actually they're social justice advocates. It's just social justice light. That's all it is. That's why we did the whole uh, series. You can go watch it on my YouTube channel on liberalism. And then you have um, Owen Strand liked apparently a tweet. Uh, the tweet he liked was when Paul was in Athens, he commented on the idols to an unknown God and held discussions with those who worshiped the idols, presenting them the truth of a resurrection. He didn't walk into temples and smash the idols. And we're going to talk about this in a moment. I think that's, that is a, a, a point that we need to grapple with a bit. And it's, it's, it's somewhat, you know, you can understand someone making that point. Hey, does this follow the example that we have set before us? But it's also, uh, I just think it's rich coming from someone who um, I have, have not been able to find one record of Owen uh, talking about um, the uh, monuments to Confederate leaders and so forth and being incensed with hundreds of them and how they were illegally disposed of. Uh, but but I don't know. But, but this is different somehow. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, and then Nate Fisher said, we can celebrate the destruction of a blasphemous display, even if we wait on other facts we may not know yet, because James White had come out and said, we need to wait before we comment on this, which I don't quite get that. Uh, I think he thinks maybe it was a setup. It was, I mean, you know, of course the whole thing was a setup from the Satanists. That's why they put it there. But James White reacts to this and he says, wisdom would say true celebration must be based on the motivations and not just the results. This is odd to me too. Hence, we need to first ascertain whether the moral foundation of the act was righteous or not. Why? Like, what, 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 so, so we need to pierce deeply into the heart of Michael Cassidy to know whether this was a right thing that he did. Um, what if his motivations were all off? He, he thought to himself, I'm going to go make a name for myself. All right. Or, or I'm going to, you know, do something, uh, to, uh, set back religious liberty because maybe I'm a pawn, which I, I doubt that, but maybe I'm a pawn of the other side. Well, I mean, the, the bottom line though, is he, the, the end for which he pursued, what he actually did was he toppled a satanic display that was getting public recognition in a state legislature. That in and of itself is a good thing. Whether you think it should have been done in another way is another matter. But what, I don't know, like, do we have, do we do this with laws? Like we have to know every motivation of someone's heart before we can celebrate. It, it's just pour, pouring water on the fire. I don't understand um, that. Now, um, some of these, obviously these, they're all different reactions. And um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of them. But uh, they're not all on the same level. I'm not saying all these people. I think the, the worst in my mind is the James Lindsay one, <laughs> saying that someone who does this is by nature, that's the implementation of fascism. It's, it's actually kind of laughable to me. Um, I, I think we need to separate two things. I think prudence versus principle, okay? So you can be uh, disagree with the prudence of toppling this in, in, in the way it was done at the time it was done and say, I think that we should have followed a legal course. So there's a legal direction. We could have challenged this and gotten rid of it. We didn't need to do it that way because we're, we want to be law and order people. I get that. I think because of the precedent that's already been set hundreds of times over um, to try to constrain ourselves by this principle, when we turn a blind eye to all the leftists who have broken it is a bit hypocritical for some. I think we just need to have a conversation and recognize that. That look, if if this if our principle in this matter is not going to be regarded anywhere else by the left, why are we still 
why, why do we feel the obligation to regard it ourselves? That's a valid conversation that's not happening. But but if you say that, hey, there's if you just would have waited a few days or a few weeks, we, 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 we had a, a way to challenge this and make sure it never happened again. Here's the problem. You did hear people talking about this a little bit here and there. There was one senator uh, in the Iowa State Legislature who said uh, essentially that, or one representative who said that they um, they thought they could see maybe a legal path. But I have no knowledge, and, and I did not see any movement towards doing anything about this uh, uh, in a legal way. At least it wasn't publicized. It, what, it, what you saw from the governor and the most prominent representative talking about this was that this was going to stand, that uh, the, the opposition would just be to pray, and that was it. And of course, praying's good, but that was, I think, the cue for someone to come in and say, you're not going to do anything about this. Okay, I'll do something about this. And that's why people are supporting it. That's what you have to understand. That's why people are celebrating. Someone did something, right? This was evil and someone did something. Would it have been better if there was a different route, a better challenge, a more uh, one that respected law and order more, et cetera? I think that's a valid conversation. It's a valid point to be made, but that is different than objecting to uh, the principle. So that's a prudential objection to how it was done, but the principle of religious neutrality and freedom of access for all religions, et cetera, that is different. And if, and some of those messages I just showed you, those tweets seem to reflect this commitment to that, that that, that must be established and maintained and that these Christian quote unquote fascists are the ones, it's crazy where people are called that, but they're the ones who are the problems uh, because uh, they're willing to take down something like this. Earl Starbuck for $5 asked uh, or says, if destruction of Satanist statues causes you to speak out in indignation, but you were silent about Confederate statues, vandalism ain't the issue. And that, that's part of the point I'm trying to make. Yes, um, that's exactly right. So, so let's make the separation. There's prudential objections and there's principled objections and they're different. Some of them, some people have the same objection. They have, um, uh, they have both of those. They think it was the way it was done was wrong, and they think that uh, it should should have stood. And 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 but some people they think it should have been taken down, but they just don't like the way it was taken down. And and that I can kind of kind of respect. I get that to some extent. I just think you're, you know it's like a dinosaur roaming the earth. Like it's like have you lived through the last couple of years? You know when are we going to um, acknowledge what's happened? And this is something conservatives. I've said this, I don't know, in how many episodes, but in 2015, two big things happened. And conservatives at the time uh, did not seem to think that they were big deals, at least on the political level. Gay marriage, right? And the, the monuments. So the issue of mar marriage and monuments. And both of those things undermine the core of our civilization. And especially on the monument issue, people didn't see it at the time. How can this undermine? This is just, these are racists. We should take away these monuments. And I said at the time, and I've, I've been a, a broken record on this, I guess, that no, this is a very challenge to your core identity as Americans, your regional identities, who you are. And it's also a challenge to the basis of your law. Everything that came from the men of the past to establish this country and the ways, the, the character traits that we um, honor and the ways we're supposed to behave, it, it gets into everything. It's an attack on that. And people are starting to see that a little more, but it's like too late in a way. It's like, you know, you already lost hundreds of these things. And, and now you're going to come in and say, wait a minute, we're going to defend the Satan statue. That's the very reason it's set up is not to honor anything positive. It is to tear down something positive. Can you see that? Can you at least see that? And monuments, 
that are meant to tear down good things should not be erected. They are cancers on society. They are evil. They, um, the, the very, I don't even know why I have to, um, I'm getting worked up, aren't I? Uh, I don't need to explain this. This should be so obvious. So biblical concerns here. Uh, I want to go over just um, biblically how do we approach it. Someone asked me, and I thought it was a good question uh, about where's the biblical precedent for knocking down a statue to Satan? Now, of course, you have, you know, there's various examples, Gideon being the most prominent, but you have Elijah, Josiah, Moses. You have these different figures who destroyed idols at various times. And um, and so the objection is, uh, we're not Israel, right? I even saw that in the chat earlier. There was some uh, people in the chat. Uh, I'd have to find it. I can't find it right now, but I know someone had commented, it caught my eye, that we are, um, we are not a a Christian nation in this. Essentially, we're not like Israel, right? And I, I, I actually find some agreement if by what you mean is that we don't have the same relationship with God that Israel had. Um, somewhat, and I might offend some of the theonomists with this, but I don't know that we're in, I don't think we were ever necessarily in a covenant with God in the sense of Israel where you know, he's obligated to bless us if we bless him and he's obligated to curse us if we don't. Uh, it's, I don't think we ever necessarily had that kind of a relationship. I think that we did have a relationship with God, though. We as a, as um, and I say as a corporate entity, not everyone being saved in the, in the sense, of, you know, but but a, a great many people being saved and um, people practicing the principles that are laid down in the Bible, principles and proverbs of wisdom, and that there is a principle that if you practice these things, you will be blessed, that God will will give you a blessing because you're you're functioning in his world and you're it's like going to the manual when you have a a new machine that you've purchased or something you're putting it together a new car and you're going to you're going to stick to the manual and you're not going to do innovative things that you know have nothing to do with the way the car functions that we've done that in this country and i think many of the men at the helm have had deep relationships with god and have known him and have followed his guidance and th these are special things these are things to commemorate to celebrate um that's that is who we are. Our character has been Anglo-Protestant uh, for centuries, and and so that there's something. It, it is worth it, I think, to acknowledge those things. It doesn't mean we're the same as Israel, but it also doesn't mean that we're just a secular nation and that we we never had any Christian moral foundation at all. And so I think here's the difference in um, the case of uh, of these particular individuals, and then Paul, who was brought up earlier in the in the tweet that Owen Strawn liked. Um, Paul did not destroy the idols uh, in Athens, and Jesus didn't go around finding statues to destroy. But likely the, the zealots had already done that work <laughs> when Jesus was on the earth, if, if such statues were ever erected in the first place by the Romans. Um, the difference, I think, is this. Paul was, his mission and his purpose were to go to these pagan lands and make converts to Christianity and establish churches. He was a minister to the Gentiles. That was his purpose. And so when he goes into uh, places like Corinth or Ephesus and he sees these <clears throat> statues, which he would have, they're everywhere in Ephesus. I mean, there's all kinds of statues, all kinds of things, uh, deities, false deities, etc. You know, Paul isn't uh, just toppling them over because that's not his mission in those places. His mission is to get there, establish a church. Um, and and so I, I think that it just didn't fit with his purpose. He was trying to make converts and reason with these people. And I think that's a valid thing. If, that, if someone says, hey, I'm not into the whole toppling a statue thing. Fine. That's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If there is someone, though, who says, 
I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to do a St. Boniface thing. I'm going to take out that tree. I'm going to do a Gideon thing. I'm going to topple that. I think that's what the Lord wants me to do. Um, I would say something similar to what James White said. Hey, be careful that you don't rush to quell the celebration of that because maybe the motivation was a good one. Maybe this was something that God wanted them to do. And so I think in the case of someone like a Gideon, you have a country uh, who is occupied by foreign a foreign power who wants to set up a false god in a place uh, that is populated by those who have an allegiance or at least should historically have an allegiance to the true god that's their national identity and you do see something similar it doesn't mean we're the same as israel in the sense of having this covenant but you do see something similar i think in the united states that's our national character that's who we've been so this is a it's just like a foreign power coming in and erecting things that do not fit that directly challenge the foundation of who we are. You also have someone like Gideon who's working in a more of a military slash political capacity that's different than Paul's work as uh, a minister, I think. And so I think those two things can also be separated um, in a sense, different functions. So I think in a political or a war context, things are going to be different. And that's where you have to sit back and you have to ask yourself if the, the we live in a context of war. Do we live, even though we're not shooting guns at each other, right? But do we live in a con, a very hostile context where there is a struggle for dominance of very different visions? And I think that the answer is yes. Um, the one, the last thing I'll say about Gideon is there was an authority that, that God had given him uh, to do something like this. Same with Elijah, Josiah, Moses. There, they had a, a certain level of authority, and I think in our we we are um, accustomed to thinking that those who win elections are the only ones who have uh, authority, moral authority. And none of those men won an election. I would suggest to you, those who are called by God and lead, the leader is the one who leads, actually have somewhat of an authority. Now, I can't sketch that out for you in fine detail and say, uh, this person has an authority. I mean, I, I think it's generally a good thing to try to, um, uh, I, I mean, I believe in the Republican process, I think has been good. That's what I've been raised in, right? And uh, electing our leaders um, is the way that we've tried to make order out of this, to, to get good leaders. But I think it's finally time to admit that it's not working out the way it was supposed to, where the, the people with the highest character rise to the top and they're the ones that get elected. I mean, there's a lot of obviously deceitfulness, corruption, all of that. And there are going to be people who do just take a stand, I think, and they gain the um, approval and the uh, trust of the masses sometimes. Uh, the in, in Iowa, I mean, you have a majority at least cultural Christian majority there who would be approving of someone like a Michael Cassidy and, and people like that, they end up becoming leaders because of the actions they take. And Gideon was like, he wasn't any, he, he didn't look at himself as anything. Moses said, I can't speak. Right. And all these people who were called by God to do something, they prove themselves over time with actions like this. So um, I think if we separate those contexts and if we answer the question, what context do we live in and what, what's the purpose uh, you know, if it was a, a pastor whose purpose was solely evangelism, planning churches, a church planner, and, and they're saying this is part of that, then that, that is maybe different, but that's not what happened. And so um, that's my take on it. I do think that these Old Testament passages were given to us for instruction, as we see in the New Testament. They were, and you have to grapple with that. What's the instruction? What are, what are we supposed to get from this? Um, a few comments, and then we're going to go to uh, Jack Davids in the chat. So I'm going to go to you uh, soon, Jack, if you want to unmute yourself. Um, uh, Brett says, John Knox explicitly taught that individuals could take magisterial injustice in to their own hands. Uh, yes. Uh, in fact, was it Samuel Rutherford who talked about 
if it is a unjust law, it is no law at all. Um, that that's kind of the basis for our country, really. But we've we've seemed to get away from that. Now the law is weaponized against us, and it's it's like it, it's self-destruction. It's shooting at its own foundation, its own root. It's sawing off the branch it's sitting on. Uh, James Cook says Trump arose from a lack of leadership in the Republican National Committee. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, and I'll look for some other uh, comments if you guys want to leave questions or comments, but I'm going to um, put Jack David out there. I don't know if Jack, if you're uh, ready to uh, comment, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Hey, we're, you were the one who messaged me about the uh, biblical examples, right? I, I did. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. I missed some of your comments as I basketball uh, this morning, but I heard the last bit here. Oh, no worries. Um, maybe maybe just, just a question. I heard you mentioning Paul uh, about his mission was, was specific to planting and evangelism. Do you see that different than the church's mission broadly, I guess? Is there a disassociation between what Paul was doing in the churches? And if there is, where is that, I guess, would be my question. So, like, would churches have the responsibility then to go topple satanic monuments? Like, or, or is there, do they have a narrow focus, like Paul's focus? Is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah, it seemed like you disassociated kind of what Paul's activities were from what the church more broadly maybe is, 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 is able or more capable from scripture to do. Is that the distinction that you're, you're making? Well, I, I'm appealing to spheral authority and just saying that I think that a civil magistrate uh, or leader leader in the civil realm is much different than, um, or a cultural leader is different than someone whose specific purpose like Christ or Paul was to engage in ministry. And so, um, so, so I think it's not that Paul could not have done that. I think maybe he could have, but he would have been something that he wasn't necessarily called to do. It would have been a, a distraction. It would have been, and, and he was also in a context where the moral support would not have been there. This wasn't a place that was occupied by a foreign power that was previously Christian or something like that, or the population still honors Christ to some extent, but now they have these gods being erected. It wasn't like that. It was a, a distinctly pagan place. He would not have, there would have been no like legitimacy. If, if you think political legitimacy does come in some sense from the support of uh, at least a significant part of the population, he would not have had that at all. So I, I think there's several things that separate them, but but I, I do think you know, spheral authority to get to the direct root of your question would um, imply that those who are Christians operating in a government capacity or a public capacity um, are going to have a different role than Christians who are operating within the boundaries of church ministry. Because I think that that church ministry is different. They have a ministry of uh, salvation, of offering grace. I and mean, some, be some people will just say that um, some of the more Kuyperian people will say that the church ministry is grace and the government ministry is justice. Those are two different things. And I think there's some overlap because obviously there's justice in the church and there's you can even see some grace in the civil magistrate. But broadly speaking, I think that's true. That um, And so that, that's how I work it out in my mind. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would be curious... Uh, and I don't know where, where you're coming from exactly, or if you're just trying to figure this out, but the, the people who would say that this was wrong because Paul never took down any idol himself, I would wonder what they would do with a Gideon, right? I mean, they'd have to somehow say, well, that was Old Testament and it doesn't count, I guess. I, I don't know what they would do with that, but, the, but these, these Old Testament examples were also given to us to inspire us somehow. So how is that, right? 
So um, I, I would I don't have anyone on unless you're a representative for that position to, to speak to that. But uh, I think it's valid to appeal to a Gideon I, in some sense. I don't see why not. Yeah, I'm not speaking from that. I'm, I'm just working through it myself and thinking through it. Um, is the how do you see the, the correlation between ancient Israel and the um, appropriate applications? Is it directly correlated to a country? Is it more correlated to a church application? How do you generally draw those lines from? The, you mean the laws from ancient Israel or the? Uh, I guess the activities even in, in general. Generally, I've been taught that the best application from Israel is a New Testament application to church generally. Oh, sure. Oh, I see. I see. But yeah, that's a very reformed kind of um, yeah. understanding that the continuity is even with ancient laws now, um, for example, like uh, stoning and those kind of corporal punishments are now church discipline, right? Is the, is like the, is, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. So I think there's elements of continuity and discontinuity between the church and Israel. And, and we, I think someone who's trying to carefully think through it, tries to work those things out and, and, and shows that, okay, yes. In the example I just gave, there is church discipline. Of course there's Matthew 18 and there's a process that we follow in the church to deal with sin. But there's also still a civil magistrate, right? We still have Romans 13, and there's a, an obligation that the government has to uh, promote good and to punish evil. So there's where they're going to go to for that moral standard. I mean, God has already laid down, uh, as Isaiah says, the law of Israel being a light to the nations. He's already laid down principles to follow. And so I do think that um, th both of those things are at work. It's not like it, it's an exclusively applied to the church thing. Uh, in, in that particular example, at least. Um, so in this particular example, though, of toppling a statue, I, I think where uh, the appealing being made for those who want to justify this biblically is to examples of people in the Old Testament. It's not to specific Mosaic laws. It's just to the examples of courage and moral leadership and obedience to God and opposition to evil that we see demonstrated on a political level. Where else in the Bible do you see this on a political level? I mean, in, in the New Testament, you're not given um, instructions, or, or I should say you're not given um, explicit examples of what it would look like to be a Christian in political leadership, right? So I think that's um, coming from the Old Testament. I think God already gave us that. That's why he doesn't need to repeat himself on all those things. So, um, so I, I do think it's valid to at least appeal to those things. And it doesn't mean that you're somehow denying the, whatever continuity exists between ancient Israel and the church by, by doing that. Uh, if you look at it this way, too, I mean, what were pagan nations in the Old Testament supposed to do? Right. Like if, if you were a, um, a I don't know if you were an Egyptian. Right. And you uh, and the Mosaic law has already been handed down. What should you do if you're convicted? Oh my goodness! Maybe let's say you're the, you're the leader of Egypt, you're a pharaoh or something. I, I, this is hypothetical, but you're you know queen of Sheba, and you, you realize, wow, Israel's got a lot of wisdom. You might not have the same covenant relationship with God, but your obligation at that point is to do what? To apply what you've learned from Israel and the moral principles being exercised there to your people. Uh, that's why their law is a light to the nations, right? There's an expectation that even pagan nations are going to broadly follow these things. Uh, and, and of course, you know, in the general equity kind of way, uh, apply it to their specific circumstances. So um, so I don't think that ever went away. Like, I think we're, we still have pagan nations and we still have uh, Christian leaders and we still have opportunities to 
um, apply a Christian moral vision, which is, I think, what our country traditionally has had. We've had a Christian moral vision, and, and now we have a new founding. That's what's really happening. We're in these kind of growing pains. It's not growing. It's really regressing and dying. But we're, we're in the, the depths of, uh, of despair going from a Christian to a pagan country. And in between, there's this kind of moral neutrality that um, some Christians seem to want to appeal to that says, no, this is it's a re it's, it's, it's a reinterpretation of our history to say that, well, we've always been neutral and that uh, and that we must maintain that. And that's the only guarantee for Christian liberty. So I'm getting off into other areas, but um, I don't know. I mean, if you want to if, if you have thoughts on this, I'd be curious to hear them. So I don't. Yes, uh, Christian foundings, uh, not not freedom of religion is not necessarily protecting uh, Satanism and all these different things. Uh, agreed on all those premises, of course. Uh, I guess maybe it's more specific to the sphere of authority that he was operating in when he toppled the the, the pool noodles and the kettle ball. <laughs> um, is I have a category for what the church is supposed to do. I have a category of sphere of authority for what uh, a magistrate is supposed to do. I have categories even for um, uh, interposition of magistrates, right? But this seems, I guess, in what in what capacity was he operating? In, in very specific, I, I suppose, in what capacity of authority was he he operating? Um, it seems more vigilante, which there's there's categories for even operating outside of those spheres and, and interposition. But this doesn't seem interposition necessarily. It just seemed um, throwing a rock at the cultural zeitgeist currently. Well, I think that's a valid point. You're saying that he uh, operated outside of the boundaries of authority and came in. And so, um, so, so here's, yeah, I actually had this thought, and I'm glad you brought this up. It, it does bother me a little bit that he drove from Mississippi, I think. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't want to nitpick, but like if, yeah. if Governor Reynolds would have gone in and toppled, I'd say, we maybe have an issue of yeah. interposition. I have a, I have a theological category for that. Yes. I, I can drop that in that bucket. I know you didn't hear the beginning of the podcast, but one of the things I was talking about was the lack of leadership, that there's a vacuum in, in Iowa and, and across our country, but that there was, it didn't seem like anything positively was being done about this, even though this actually violated their own preamble and their own constitution. And I mean, really it, it, the very, um, erection of this is lawless to begin with. I mean, it started out lawless and now we're being told, well, the guy who toppled it is the lawless one. I, I don't like the unequal weights and measures. You know, you should be more mad that this was erected in the first place. But I think that it's because there was a vacuum of leadership that there was one guy who said, I'll go in and do it. And of course, he I, I'm sure if you polled today, the vast majority of Iowans would support the guy like they, they you know, but I, but should it have been someone from within Iowa? I do believe so. And the reason is because in, in the cases that we're talking about from scripture, like even Gideon, it was about his own people. It, this was something that was an affront locally to the people that he lived with and had obligations to. Does someone in Mississippi have an obligation to someone in Iowa? I, I just don't see that really. I think there, there's, I mean, and this is maybe I'm a state's, uh, you know, I, I like the states being different and separate and their own thing. But I I, I think you have a valid point there. And, and I, I think that's a prudential more concerned though than it is a principled concern like I, I separated earlier and and I think there's that's a valid thing would I have done it you know I, I don't think I would have done it I don't know I don't know if the Lord if I felt like the Lord wanted me to I would have but but if um I would have tried to exhaust every remedy I could to try to make sure we're going to get rid of these things right guys we're going to do this legally we're going to have like you know uh the armed capital police or whatever they're going to go in they're going to take this down right and if that didn't happen then maybe I would consider okay I guess I guess we're going to do a little St. Boniface thing, but um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I, that does bother me a little bit. Um, and, and I think the, where I direct that in my own mind is towards, isn't it sad that there wasn't someone in Iowa, someone who did have more legitimacy? Why didn't they do it? Cause well, I heard people saying, like, so I, I mean, for example, I'm listening yes. to the Steve Dace's radio show, right? And, and one of the, the co-hosts on there is saying, isn't it about time someone goes to topple this? So I was fully anticipating he would go fulfill his own words. They were being in Iowa because I think they, they broadcast from Iowa. Um, or anyone else who's yeah. Like, it ought to be a quick well, then I am waiting for, for you to put the, the action behind your words. Or someone local. I was absolutely for that, right? Absolutely. Um, the, the, the local sheriff. A basic, uh, something that could be adjacent to interposition, even though no one's in danger. And so it may be slightly fuzzy on that. Um, but at least something that'd be adjacent to that was I looking for. Yeah, I think I think your uh, concern is a legitimate one. The funny thing is I haven't seen anyone level that concern. <laughs> the concern <laughs> is that it was toppled. It should not have been toppled. But but I think what you're saying that, hey, he came from Mississippi. That's like a, a, a more legitimate thing to say, wait a minute. You know, is this really his business? Um, and and no, I, I, it, I, I don't think so. Now, here's the thing, though, too. You know, did he think the Lord wanted him to do this? Was this a matter of conviction? Um, I don't know enough about him. So, I mean, I'm, I like the fact that this was taken down. Some are saying that this like plays into the Satanists. They really they wanted this to happen. They were setting it up so that they could. And, and maybe maybe it does drive more traffic to their website and, and give them donations. And so maybe it does. But um, but I do think that this is I mean, what are you going to do? You're just going to leave it up. I mean, th there does need to be some kind of mechanism, locally speaking, at least for uh, doing away with something like this and, and preventing it from ever happening. So, um, yeah, about, I think we're, other we're on states? the same page. So, I mean, the, the question I would ask is, is not, not to be nitpicky or to, no, fine. to dogpile him, is that it's certainly in his own town or within a close proximity or anyone's town, right? There are many uh, icons or statues of false gods and false deities. Uh, you can you can Buddha and, th and things like that. Sure. Why were those not toppled? That would also be private property. Is it just that it was in the state capital? Is that? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's curious. This, it seems very selective at a, at a at a. I don't want to say more than that because I don't want to judge intention and things. It just seems very selective. Why this one? Because you drove past probably thousands on your way uh, that were much closer. You uh, mean like in the Chinese restaurant? Yeah, and they weren't actually associated with religion because, as, as I know, it, I don't think they don't believe in Satan. The, who who doesn't the Chinese or uh, I mean the, the Satanists they they, they they like them as a, as a construct or an idea oh right 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 of actual religions and actual some, some of them might I'm not sure but yeah I think you, I, they look at him as an example of what they want to do they want to be uh, the rebels just like he was a rebel against God so their whole purpose is to rip stuff down but I mean I was looking at some some of their ceremonies though I'm just like oh my goodness like this this totally looks like they're worshiping the devil like it's you know down to like the goat heads and the the pigs you know and, and everything else it's just it's it's horrid i couldn't even show some of it just because it's so terrible um but uh yeah anyway no you bring up a good point i think um so you know i go into local chinese restaurants let's say to pick up takeout and there's a buddha there and you know what I, that has always bothered me i'll be honest with you um do i topple it well I do think there are other concerns at play there. This, this is one of the differences is this is a public place. This is the, the state legislature. And so this is um, funded by the taxpayers and it's supposed to be for the people. Uh, and uh, it, it's literally ground zero for religious accommodation and um, how we conceive of that. A, a place like a Chinese restaurant is you're on private property. The, the person has uh, essentially they, they, 
I mean, it's longstanding um, legal precedent that they can pretty much do within the boundaries of reason what they want with their private property. Now, should that be the case? I don't know, maybe not. But um, but that does have uh, going back to English common law, that does have a, a very long longevity. And it's not an imposition or a positive uh uh, depiction for the masses to say, see, look, this is positive. This is good. It's just literally one guy in one place, you know, um, doing something that's considered private. And, and so I do think there is a difference there. Um, I haven't thought like extremely deeply about that. Like what, what would it be if, you know, it, like you could think of a scenario where maybe let's say someone has private property and, you know, they've erected some of these big crosses right off the highway. And what if someone erected something like a big phallic symbol or something right off the highway where the public can see it, right? I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, that's something, that, these are kind of some of the things that I think in the coming years are going to be exploited uh, because you, you can see, I even want to go back and appeal to uh, something that was there when we both grew up that no one would have thought to take advantage of, but now people are. Now people are going to take advantage of that and say, hey, it's private property. I don't care if it's just off the highway. I can show something sexually indecent. Um I do think there needs to be provisions made. There, there, there does need to be, uh, in a public capacity, a limitation on that to say that, yeah, people should not be seeing this. This is bad for our country. And it, it, you don't need any more justification than that. It's bad for us. Uh, people follow these examples. It, it corrupts the morals of our people, and it will just bring ruin. And um, so, you know, I, I think that's probably what the other side in the Christian nationalist debate is afraid of, that Christian nationalists are going to come into these local towns and communities and states, and they're going to start trying to implement uh, blasphemy laws again and things like that. And I, to that, I say, we probably should. I, I don't trust the leadership class currently to craft those things, but ideally, yeah, we would have blasphemy laws. So, um, so yeah, anyway, I mean, I, I guess I don't, I haven't answered your question like super directly, <laughs> but those are some of the working issues. And I do think, um, I, I guess broadly speak or generally speaking, you're saying he's passing hundreds of these things on private land and then he lands at a public place. And I do see that as that's the, the, the thing that's sticking out. That's the sore thumb is the public place where it's displayed because that sets the example and the precedent. The, the other places I would not be as concerned with. Uh, they're not influencing the public in the same way. They're not saying here's the thing. They're not saying something about the character of the people either. They're, you do display something at the Capitol. It's this is who we are. This is what our people are, right? It's it's a, a national identity kind of thing, or in Iowa's case, a state identity kind of thing. Um, when I walk into the Chinese restaurant, it says nothing about who we are corporately. It's just saying a, something about who that person is, right? So I don't know if that helps. <laughs> it does. It's just an interesting question. I thought, I mean, he, he passed all these different, and I bet there was even his displays at public settings. And we can think of all the different idolatry that is state-sponsored. Uh, not just a, a Satanist display. That's, I mean, at abortion clinics that are state sponsored. There's all these different things. Yes. Um, it begs the question. This one with the that, and also don't, and the question is, what was achieved? I guess also because well, he didn't achieve something, right? Well, he's transgressing a boundary that has uh, not been. So, so this is a, a novel, new thing, right? To put satanic displays up. That's it's so blatant. So you could say that there's been a moral creep for years in displaying other things like you could have a, a ramadan depiction at the local park or something right you you could say that that's hey that that's been going on for years and it's been in incremental steps right and i think i talked about that on the last podcast i was working for a town 
that we had a menorah. It's like, okay, we have a menorah now. And like, we, we all kind of think, oh, that's, that's kind of a cool story. Like there's nothing really wrong. Right. And then the next few years we have a Ramadan thing and then the Hindus want their thing. And, and it's like the, the frog getting boiled. You just, you, you kind of go with it. And then you wake up one day and you realize it's like the person who realizes they're an alcoholic or something, you know, one drink's fine. And then they realize one day, oh my goodness, I'm sleeping in a gutter. Right. And I think that's what's happened with this. Like it's the, it is such a transgression of a boundary, a new frontier, essentially, that it's like the public support is there for toppling this, whereas the public support would not have been there. And that doesn't make it morally right or wrong either way. It just means that um, to get to your second question, I think more is achieved in toppling something that the public still hasn't been desensitized to because they still know that's wrong. Right. And so if someone goes and topples it, it sets a precedent that you know, these things, when they're erected, they will be toppled. We're not going to stand for this in Iowa, right? We're not going to stand for this in wherever municipality, because that's not who we are. And Or someone from Missouri is not going to stand for it in Iowa. <laughs> or is he from Missouri or was it Mississippi? Mississippi? It was an M state. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and if it happened in his region, I think that he should, you know, but I think even if he's coming from Mississippi, it's broadly supported by people in the state of Iowa. So it's, um, you know, is he speaking for them? I guess so. Should he be? Probably not. That someone from their state should do it. So is this a perfect case of, you know, lesser magistrate, whatever? No. But the moral outrage seems to be mostly coming from people who are concerned that this violates religious neutrality. That's the weird thing to me. Like, that should be more offensive than what he actually did. Uh, and so um, so I think you bring up some good points. Um we're not, you know, this is one of the things I've noticed that a lot of uh, more theonomic types tend to, uh, there's sort of a perfectionistic instinct. I know I used to be this way a lot more. I probably still have some of it in me where, hey, it's all or nothing, man. If we can't, if we can't, you know, implement something perfectly, and if we're going to have a Christian country, it needs to be Christian. And we, if we can't have that perfectly, then why even try kind of thing? And, um, and, and I don't have that expectation. I, I do think it's going to work out differently in different places. And, you know, God's going to give different people courage to take stands and they're going to be different stands. And you have to go where the battle's raging. The battle right now is raging at the Iowa state legislature. That was the the front lines uh, where this, this atrocity was put up. So um, just because, you know, we can't go to Tokyo and defeat the Japanese doesn't mean we don't start somewhere. Right. And, and I think that's kind of the, the thinking with this, like start somewhere, at least start with this. And then, and then we can talk about other displays that maybe need to be taken down or, or so forth. So um, that's at least my thinking on it. Yeah. So, you could agree or disagree. I mean, that's it's, just... not, it's not outrage. I, I, and I think a lot of people are necessarily outraged that that, that a satanic um, display was taken down. I think it just brings up questions of now extent and scope of if this is okay, I just, if this is justifiable, which maybe it is, I'm still thinking through it. Um, where does that end? And, and what are the boundaries of, of well where, where should a christian hope it ends ultimately <laughs> however it works out i mean which what should be the hope that christ is the only recognized lord right that should be uh, theologically speaking right that should be our hope is that we want we, or our desire i should say not not our hope in the ultimate sense but our desire should be that christ is the only one who's publicly acknowledged and that the hearts of the people are for christ so um, we don't live in that world. We live in a, a sinful world and it's not going to be perfect. So we, there are things we're going to be putting up with in our lives as we lead them in the narrow confines of what God has given to us. Cause not all of us, all of us have the same responsibilities and options to 
uh, to um, fight evil in the same way, uh, we're going to have to deal with some of this. But I think the general trend, right, the, the way that we should be pushing the needle and what we should be, um, we should be rejoicing when something evil is taken down, right? I don't think that should be that hard. Uh, so just because we don't have everything, just because it isn't perfect yet, just because uh, our final goals aren't realized yet, you know, that's okay. You know, we're gonna, I'm gonna leave that to God, right? Um, in my local municipality, and fortunately where I live now, we only have, in fact, we don't have anything. I, I don't know if they took the route of we're not going to do anything religious. I don't know. There's no displays. I mean, they have wreaths and things on the, you know, there, there is, um, I've said down the road though, they did put, put in a, uh, like a year or two ago, this display that has some homosexual imagery. And, uh, I mean, look, I've thought about it. I've thought about like what, you know, should, I don't know what fine would be associated with it, but should I go paint over that or something, you know, should I petition the government? And, um, I don't think it would be wrong for me to do that. It's just, it hasn't been really the biggest concern in my own life. Um, I've had a lot of other things to deal with, but if someone like me or someone, another Christian decided this shouldn't stand in our town, I would support them. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the general direction and, and there's practical and prudential concerns that will keep us from maybe doing everything that we would want to do or could do. Um, it could even be that the local population isn't going to be supportive of this. So I need to work on the missionary work first and then, you know, make sure that there's going to be broad support because if, if, if there's not enough support to keep this thing down, then it's just going to go back up, you know, and, and what, what did I accomplish? So I think that's one of the things that separates Paul and Gideon too, to be, to be honest. I mean, they're, they're speaking in different contexts. Gideon is in a place where he's going to take it down. It's going to stay down. Right. Uh, he's going to, the people are going to swell to support him. The, there's going to be um, throwing off the, the evil that's um, controlling them. And in Paul's case, that just wasn't the case yet politically. I mean, he would have taken one of those statues down. It would have gone right back up. He would have been kicked out of the city and not allowed to evangelize there, right? So, um, so I, yeah, I think the circumstances do change perhaps how we do things, but that doesn't, you know, that's a means thing. It doesn't get to the ends. The ends are, as Christians, we want Jesus Christ to be the only one worshiped because he's the only one deserving of worship, right? So that's my my best take on it. And uh, and I appreciate you bringing this stuff up, uh, Jack. They're really good questions i think that yeah, we do need to wrestle through some of this so yeah anyway well hey, unless you had anything else uh i'll let you go and uh nope, that's all. appreciate the, the questions appreciate the support um we have uh much many more comments in the stage i think earl starbuck uh again uh said when saul refused to slay agag samuel did no uh Lowen would so a Mississippian did, and God bless him for it. Kenosha Kyle didn't live there. Although Kyle did live somewhat close, but yes. Um, yeah, I, that's the point I was trying to make at the beginning. It's like, hey, if no one's going to do it, some, someone's coming from somewhere else to do it. And um, one of the things, too, I didn't mention this, but a lot of these state issues become national issues really quick, don't they? Uh, the, the Iowa State Legislature thing was becoming a national issue. It's one of the problems, I think. Uh, in our country. And, and maybe, maybe I've contributed to this a little bit by just covering it. I don't know. But um, but this is this became a national discussion. And you look at the Satanic Temple and they're doing this all over the country. This is a national issue to them. And so if you conceive of this as a national thing, I still prefer someone from the state did it. But if you conceive of this as a national issue, then yeah, I mean, someone from Mississippi could see that as a threat to them. Hey, if it works, if, if this happens in Iowa and it sticks, it's coming to my state next. 
I, I want to make sure that uh, we do something about it. Hey, and we are part of the same country, right? And it's the same supposed First Amendment that's being used to justify it. So, so yeah, I could see a path for someone from Mississippi doing it, but I do think it is the direct responsibility more of someone in Iowa. Um, and then uh, Rulian for uh, five pounds. Wow, someone so in Great Britain says, this is so tiresome. Here we are debating the moral justification versus destroying a statue of Satan. Let the limperists clutch their pearls. And I admit there is part of me that feels that way. Even if I, I want to think through this, I totally feel that this is a no-brainer, guys. The statue of Satan was destroyed. Okay, there's other evil too that we need to deal with in our in God's way and time. But this was destroyed. Good, right? I, I think that's the reaction of most Christians when they hear something like this and they don't understand why someone would, um, yeah, why why someone would be reluctant to do that. And then uh, vocal Pelican says the South must secede uh, <laughs> or succeed. Is that succeed? I think that's succeed. Um, well, it, it, yeah, leaving the country would put you outside the boundaries of some of these precedents that have been set for religious neutrality. That's true. Um, all right. Well, uh, any other questions or comments? Now is the time. We've been going over an hour and a half, which is a long podcast. And uh, Jack David has some really good questions, I think, that are worth grappling with. And I'm glad that people are thinking through this stuff. Um, it, it is worth thinking through. My concern isn't you know, getting exactly... Uh, a final sketch. I, 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 I'm fine with having like just a general direction or like a, an impressionistic painting of where we want to go. Um, I don't need the final every detail worked out necessarily uh, with uh, you know, what, what's the vision. And I think that's what people have been wanting from the quote unquote Christian nationalist side is like, give us a real vision. And the, the vision, it's, it's more of an instinct is, is what it is. It's more of a, hey, we're Christian. We should try to behave that way. That's it. Right. And, and I'm okay with that. Um, Okay, so yes, and Vocal Pelican does, uh, he does say that from the union, from, from okay, so uh, yes, he, he meant secession there. Um, <laughs> that was tried once, and uh, I, I will say that the problem is an army comes in and then shoots at you and uh, forbids you from doing so. So has Russell Moore commented on this? You know, I was looking last night to see if social justice activists have, and I will say this, it is odd to me, hardly any of them have. You know, the people that seem more committed to comment on this are people who are, quote unquote, conservatives who uh, are against, they say, they think they're against social justice. That's the funny thing to me, though. The really hardcore like Jamar Tisby, Phil Vischers, they haven't said anything about it yet. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I mean, maybe someone can gander at that. Why do you think that they're not commenting on this as readily? And of course, this discussion was taking place on a Friday and, and you get into Friday and then Saturday, Sunday, and you, you know, maybe Monday we'll we'll see something. So, all right. Well, um, that is, uh, that is the discussion today. I hope that was helpful to everyone. Uh, God bless you all in whatever you're doing this weekend. I hope you have a wonderful Lord's day and, uh, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I know where you can find the answers and that's, uh, in, in the Bible. And so, uh, read the, read the Bible, pray, pray for our country, uh, pray for the state of Iowa still, um, Pray for, for this gentleman uh, who toppled this monument. Uh, there, as I understand it, there was a way to give to his legal defense, and uh, he's gotten more than enough money for that already. So praise God for that. Um, so anyway, God bless. More coming. Bye now.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.